Good morning. It's Friday. Can you believe it? This week went by so quickly and it's still raining. It's amazing. So uh, welcome to the morning devotion, everybody that already tuned in. And uh, today I want to speak a little bit about the spiritual circumcision. I want to speak a little bit about the Holy Spirit. I want to speak a little bit about a new heart. So, um, so we're going to get into the word. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Marietta and Skoonpa Wessel. So good morning, everyone. Welcome. And uh, so we're going to, to start in the word. Okay, I think a good place to start would be Ezekiel. And I, th- I uh, want to read a couple of scriptures to you and hopefully it will all come together. So, um, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 says, And I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. So, a new heart means the old one is taken out, and the new one is is given, and it means a new spirit within them. And I will take the stony and naturally hardened heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. So God wants us to have a heart that's soft, a heart that is as he created it, a heart of flesh, with other words, that is alive, as opposed to a heart of stone that is dead and without any affection. And uh, the same thing you see in Ezekiel chapter 36. So it says in in Ezekiel 11, uh, stony heart, or uh, it says a heart of flesh responsive to the touch of God. Okay. So Ezekiel 36 says, 26, 36, verse 26, it says, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall heed my ordinances and do them. So there's a hearing and doing. Okay, just listen to that. Heed my ordinances and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. Okay. It says, verse 29, I will also save you from all your uncleannesses, and I will call forth the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine on you. Right. So God's righteousness brings forth God's prosperity. Okay, so Jeremiah, let's just quickly jump to Jeremiah chapter 31. So we're just going to read a couple of verses just to put a few things there, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at a few scriptures. Okay, verse 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So the old agreement uh, didn't uh, produce the salvation. We, we've spoken about that at length. The old covenant was there to uh, make, to describe sin and to to point it out and so that punishment would be due for sin so that Jesus could come as a partaker of the covenant and bear the punishment of all the people's sin upon himself and thereby redeeming everyone from underneath the covenant okay so that he could institute a new one the old covenant was a contract that only he could could fulfill and the new testament is an inheritance that we receive by 
a last will and testament activated by the death of the testator. That's Hebrews chapter 9 and Galatians chapter 3. All right, so that's not the message. She says, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their hearts will I write it. So it's the Holy Spirit speaking. He says he's putting his law inside of them. So this is not the law engraved in letters on stone. It's a different one. So the first one was the law of, that Moses brought engraved in letters on stone. And the second one is the law of the spirit of life. Now Romans chapter 8 says the law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and death which is outside, which is written on a stone outside. Now, the stone refers to with the effect that the law of Moses has. It makes your heart hot, hot, hard. So it gives you a stony heart because it's letters written on stone. It make, gives you calluses on your heart. Makes you, it, it goes, the feeling is not there. So it's like you, Second uh, Corinthians 3, verse 15, it says, whenever Moses is read, the, the covenant of stone um, a veil lies on their hearts and their minds. So there's a veil on the heart which causes the heart not to hear and not to see whenever Moses is written. Now Moses is written in stone, so the stony heart is a heart that is legalistic, a heart that is not uh, filled with the Spirit, filled with love, but a heart that is just looking at the rules and this is the rules, and this is where, and there's no compassion, there's no love, okay? So there's no mercy, but only judgment. So it says, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them. So it's not an outward thing, it's an inward thing, like Ezekiel says. And yeah, so the real Jew is not the Jew, like Jeremiah says here, uh, no, that was in Ezekiel that we read it. That is one outwardly, but there is one inwardly. Okay, so it's an inward thing that God wanted to do. So after those days, I will put my law within them and on their hearts, I will write it. So how did he do that? Well, the law of the spirit of life was written in the hearts of people who have received the spirit. So the law of the spirit is in the heart of people who have the spirit and who is guided and led by the spirit. It's a living person who is their law and uh, not governed by an outward set of rules, but by a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I will be their God and they will be my people. So there's these two groups. The one try to keep by the unyielding standard of an outward law, hearts unaffected, only judgment, no mercy. And then the other group is they have welcomed the Holy Spirit and the Spirit dwells within them and they moved from the inside. Like Second Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, uh, the love of Christ impels me and moves me for we are of the opinion that if one died, then all died. So it's about the old one dying and the new one being made alive. All right? So, um, and they will be, no more teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, 
recognize, understand, acquainted with me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will seriously remember their sins no more. Now, this scripture, this passage is also uh, quoted uh, in Hebrews chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 10, where it says the Holy Spirit adds his testimony and says, I will remember their sins no more. I will bring a new covenant, and I will remember their sins no more. All right, so uh, when the Spirit comes, the old is cut off, removed. The stony heart is removed, and a new heart responsive to the Spirit is placed, according to Ezekiel. Okay, so God wants to revive the hearts of people. If you, if you take the imagery used with uh, the actions of, prophet, of the prophet Moses, um, the veil that was on his face... On the mind and heart, as Paul describes it in Second Corinthians chapter three, is removed. So again, the heart, the mind, the veil is stripped off. Something is taken off, and the heart is open. And then he says in Second Corinthians three, and we, as with unveiled face, behold the Lord, and we are transformed into His own image. So, uh, the circumcision of the heart speaks of this action: the the hardness, the calluses, the the stoniness, the this, you know, unyieldingness, the, uh, you know, hard-hearted, stiff-necked people they were called. is It's cut off. And there's a new spirit inside the, the person through God's grace. And that spirit is, is full of mercy, full of grace. That spirit is uh, full of the love of God. That spirit is light. That spirit is, is alive, not dead. Okay, it's not an external observation, but it's an internal relationship of love which moves and spills over into expression of the character of the spirit that is inside the person. Okay, so I just want to to read a couple of scriptures. It says here in Colossians chapter two. I love the book of Colossians. I'm sure you can tell. So in Colossians chapter two. Verse 13. Just listen to this. This has been a scripture that's been misappropriated to mean something. They thought it meant something else than it really does. So it says, let's read. Let's take it a little bit back in verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity continues to dwell in bodily form. Speaking of Jesus. And you are in him. And made full and having come to fullness of life, in Christ you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. So that means that because of your union with Christ, you are filled with everything of God. Right? So he's the head and you are the body. Everything that is in the head is also in the body. Now verse 11 says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ. So I want to first pause there. It's a circumcision not made by hands. That means it's no action of humanity. It's nothing you do. It is the effect that the Spirit has. It is what happens when the Spirit dwells inside the heart. That's the spiritual circumcision. It says, by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. You see the stripping off 
There's the removal of the, the stony heart. There's the removal of that veil of Moses. There's, there's the removal of the old spirit. And a new spirit is placed in with unveiled face, seeing the face of Jesus transformed into his image. That's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 15 to 18. Um, the stony heart removed and heart of flesh responsive to the touch of God. Okay? So the old nature is a heart issue. It's not a behavioral change issue. issue. It's a heart issue. So it's an issue that, that goes to the very heart of your being, the heart of your character. So how does those things change? It's only by welcoming the Holy Spirit into the very core of who you are. Okay? And dying so that you can live a new life. Okay, so I think this is the central theme of what we are doing and what we've been saying for the past 13 years is uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. Christ lives within me. Now Christ is the anointing. Christ is the Spirit of God. So I, the old man, Adam, have been crucified with Christ, son of man, Ben Adam, crucified with Christ. is no longer Adam that lives, but Christ that lives. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 calls it, he, Adam was the first Adam and the first man, and Christ was the last Adam and the second man. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, the first man was of the earth, earthy, you know, like stone. <laughs> and the second man is the Lord from heaven so we have received the second man by receiving the holy spirit the old is past second corinthians five seventeen. if any man be in christ the uh, 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 he is engrafted in christ he's a new creation the old is passed away behold the new has come all right so uh it says here it's by the stripping off of the carnal nature with its passions and its lusts. Okay, so a spiritual circumcision means a cutting off of the old. So uh, to receive the anointing, to, be, to live a life in the anointing will cost you everything. You know, um, I'm not going to say to you it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to cost you everything. And that everything... It's like Paul says in Philippians, you know, uh, the, the stuff that's behind me. I lose myself from it and I reach out to that which God grabbed a hold of me for. I lose, reach out to what's in front of me and I set, lose myself from what's behind me so that I might grab hold of it. Of it. Okay? So he says, um, you know, I had much to gain. I had much to gain by this world. He had all the degrees, and he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was one of the best scholars of his day. You know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had all of that stuff, but he says, yeah, I count it all as loss. I count it all as dregs for the joy of knowing him. Okay, so crucified with Christ means it's going to cost you the carnal part. Okay, so if you really look at it, it's not much of a trade-off because he gives you all the eternal glories of heaven. He gives you everything that he is. And in, in exchange, you give him your rotten righteousness that is worth nothing. 
So what an exchange, okay? But still, it's going to cost you that. You, you're, uh, something my friend Kubas van Rensburg Jr. says, he says, your new life is going to cost you your old one. So it's going to cost you something. So what is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you to surrender. It's going to cost you to surrender your will, the right you think you have on certain things. It's going to cost you to surrender and die and start following instead of starting pulling in your own direction. Okay? It's going to cost you your willpower. It's going to cost you your, your I want to say it, arrogance or your, your hard-headedness. It's going to cost you that. It's going to cost you uh, what you think you want. But what is the gain? What, what would you get out of paying that cost? Uh, surrendering your carnal, useless self. What do you gain out of it? Well, you gain eternal life. You gain the life in the Spirit. You gain uh, everything that God is and has. So it's not much of a cost, is it? It's like t telling a beggar, okay, you know, it's going to cost you your old stinky clothes for you to get into this Rolls Royce and have a royal life. Okay, so if we get perspective on it, it's not much to give up. But still, our, our, our old being wants to grab hold of it and still keep, keep, keep the control. You, you just lose your, your idea, your illusion of control and surrender your life to the Holy Spirit and let him be in control of everything in your life. Okay, so he says, so um, let's see, where were we? So he says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ, by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and its lust. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism, okay, in which you were also raised with him to a new life through your faith, in the working of God as displayed when he raised him up from the dead. Okay, so when means this spiritual circumcision happens at baptism, according to the scripture. So if you look at the few baptism scriptures, you can see some kind of connection between baptism and the Holy Spirit because the spiritual circumcision is made by the Holy Spirit, so the presence of the Spirit is required for the Spirit spiritual circumcision to take place if the spirit is not there you're not going to have the spiritual circumcision so the spiritual circumcision means the holy spirit is present and the old nature is cut off galatians 2 20 that's the spiritual circumcision so it does not mean then that the baptism is a seal to the covenant as the circumcision of the old covenant was a seal to the covenant that's a wrong interpretation of Scripture. What it means is that when you were baptized, all the stuff of the flesh, Moses and your sin, it was cut off from you. A circumcision not made with hands and people's actions, but by the Spirit. Which means that by baptism, something must have happened where the Spirit of God came to your life. All right. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 3, obviously Luke says the same thing. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. 
And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit came, Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove and a lighting. And God the Father spoke, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so this is the Son. He showed him forth by the Holy Spirit on his life. Okay, so there, there you see Jesus' rebirth. There you see Jesus being baptized, stripping off the old, the law, the, <laughs> all the carnal ordinances, all that, and being clothed with the new. That's the New Testament, the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is the Holy Spirit. Your inheritance in the new is the Spirit. So without the Spirit, you do not have the new. All right, so the spiritual circumcision of the heart happens when that new heart is given or the new spirit is given, and the old one is removed and taken away, okay, which does not imply, there's no scripture that says the baptism is a seal of anything, but the baptism, while it happens, there's a spiritual circumcision, okay, so now, that circumcision is the cutting off of certain things. All right. So now uh, John the Baptist said, uh, I baptize you with water, but after me will come someone who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, whose sandals I'm not worth uh, to loosen. All right. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit is to me a greater indication of the circumcision of the heart than the water baptism of repentance. All right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit can happen at the same time as the water baptism, but it doesn't always happen that way. So if you, for instance, look at... Uh, Let's just compare two scriptures. In Joel, uh, not Joel, in Acts chapter 2, quoting Joel chapter 2. Uh, let me just get to Acts. Okay. Okay. Verse 38, Peter answered them, Repent, change your views, purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. Do you see that inner man being touched by the Spirit, by the Word of God? And be baptized. Okay, so repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of and release from your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see there, at the same time, there's a baptism taking place, but there's a repentance in the heart taking place. And with that repentance in the heart, he says, you receive forgiveness, and he says, and the, uh, God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is needed for the spiritual circumcision to take place of the old carnal nature being cut off by this spiritual knife or shall we call it a sword and it's removed and a new nature comes to you so there's i think there's a few there's a few different perspectives on this thing yes baptism but baptism speaks of us dying and living now if you look at um 
first Peter chapter 3, if you speak of baptism, just listen to this. And this is where I want to make a connection with the word. First Peter chapter 3 says, Uh, let's start at verse 18 so we can get a little, a little bit more of the context. Where it says, For Christ himself died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty. So there you have the gospel, Jesus on the cross. So it's the word, the gospel. Okay, That he might bring us to God. In his human body he was put to death, but he was made alive in spirit in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison. The souls of those Long before in the days of Noah had been disobedient, when God's patience waited during the building of the ark, in which a few people, actually 18 number, were saved through water. Okay, so now he speaks of, of Noah, and the righteous were saved through water, and the unrighteous were washed away by the water. But it's, uh, it's speaking of salvation through water. It's a, it's a picture of baptism. Okay, so don't worry, those guys did Jesus himself went to preach to them, so they heard. Okay? All right. So, verse 21. And baptism, which is a figure of their deliverance, does now also save you from inward questionings and fears, not by the removing of outward body filth and bathing, but by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace. So this spiritual circumcision removes the old to such an extent that your conscience is cleared. So it removes the sin and guilt. It removes the desire and the shame. Okay? So it says, providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace before God, because you are demonstrating what you believe to be yours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we know that the baptism speaks of death and resurrection. So baptism, uh, we demonstrate what we believe through the resurrection, what we believe is ours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does it mean? It says, Romans chapter 4 says... Um, he was raised for our justification. So you are justified before God. Your sins are gone. You have been made righteous. All your sins are washed away. You believe that to be yours. Okay? And baptism is a demonstration of what we believe. What is it that we believe? The gospel, the word. So the word and the spirit is together, always. So Galatians chapter 3 says... You Galatians, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the law, stony hard, or was it by hearing a message and believing it? All right? So they heard a message. They believed the message. What, what happened to them? The Holy Spirit came to them. So the Holy Spirit performs the spiritual circumcision, but the Holy Spirit comes to you when you hear the word and so the word must be present for the spirit to be present, and the spirit must be present for the circumcision of the heart to be present. You're following me still? Okay. So now we go to Hebrews chapter 4. Um, just listen to this. So firstly, it says, strive to enter the rest. And he says, God swore in his wrath that those who do not believe will not enter into his rest. Okay? So it's about believing. It's not about trying to obey the law. And then he says, 
verse 12, for the word that God speaks. So that's anointed word, someone being sent from God to bring a specific message. With other words, the gospel being preached by someone who is sent. So you hear the word being preached to you. The word that God speaks is alive, full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. So what goes into the deepest parts of our nature? The word spoken through Someone who is filled with the Holy Ghost. Exposing, sifting, analyzing, judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And then he says we have a great high priest and we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Okay, so but first you need the word. And the word is a double-edged sword. Okay, and this double-edged sword penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, the immortal spirit. So that sword comes in, cuts off all the calluses, cuts off the old nature. So you are not going to get rid of your bad habits by trying to get rid of your bad habits. You're going to get rid of it by letting the word cut it off you from the inner man. So you hear the word and you receive the word. Okay, remember James chapter 1. He says, get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, in, that, in your spirit man, in your deepest part, receive and welcome the word which rooted and implanted in your souls, contains the, in your hearts, contains the power to save your souls. Do you see how it correlates? So the word comes in and cuts away the old stuff and brings salvation to your soul. And brings the new, the new man, a revelation of Christ, the anointing. So the old heart is cut off, taken away, the stony heart. And you will be given a heart of flesh that can be responsive to the touch of God. Okay? So the word and the spirit. Jesus says, the flesh has no benefit whatsoever. John 6 verse 63. But the words... That I, the person, Christ, have been speaking to you, the listener, the believer, are spirit and they are life. Do you want the spirit? Do you want life? Do you want the old carnal nature to be removed and to be replaced with spirit and life? Okay, hear the words. Welcome the words. Incline your ears, says Isaiah 55. Listen and your soul will revive. Okay, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, connecting with Jeremiah chapter 31. All right, so then I also uh, I want to take you to Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 10. Now, in Acts chapter 7, Holy Ghost, speak to us today. In Acts chapter 7, it's Stephen basically preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the glory of God to the Pharisees. So obviously the Pharisees are the ones with the hardened hearts because they subscribe to Moses. They have no mercy. They just seek whom they can judge and kill. And, uh, and uh, what's his name? Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
All right. Now just listen to this. He just said to them, uh, so they were basically worshipping the temple, kind of what's happening today as well, and no, not God. He says, um, our forefathers in turn brought in this tent of witness in with him, verse 45, with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations of God, uh, the nations which God drove out before the face of the forefathers. So it remained here until the time of David, who found grace in the sight of God and prayed that he might be allowed to find a dwelling place for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house. So David didn't build a house because he found grace. Okay, that's a different sermon. Verse 48, however, the Most High does not dwell in houses and temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Okay, so he dwells in a temple that he made, which is you. Okay, so the temple is not going to be rebuilt in the Middle East. I'm sorry, it's just always going to be a mess there. It's never going to be peace there because Jesus prophesied it. Okay, so verse 49, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, Isaiah 66. What kind of house can you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place in which I can rest? Was it not my hand that made all of these things? Now, listen, this is what Stephen says to these people. He says, you stubborn, stiff-necked people, still heathen and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit. So God... Through the words spoken through anointed people, are attempt, he's attempting to, to uh, circumcise their hearts. But they're actively resisting the Holy Spirit. As your forefathers were, so are you, and so do you. Which of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? And they slew those who proclaimed beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as it was ordained and set in order and delivered by angels. Same, same thing said in Galatians 3, so he's, I don't hope it's a surprise to you. Delivered by angels, and yet you did not obey it. Now, upon hearing these things, the Jews were cut to the heart. Okay, keep your finger there. They were cut to the heart. Why? Because the words that Stephen spoke was a double-edged sword cutting their heart. So God attempted the spiritual circumcision, but they would not repent. Just let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4. He says... Mm. Verse 6, seeing then that the promise remains over from past times for some to enter that rest and that those who formerly were given the good news about it and the opportunity failed to appropriate it and did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he sets a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest. Saying through David after so long a time, in the words already quoted, Today, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. So what happened in Acts chapter 7? They heard it. It stung to their hearts. That's what it was supposed to do. It's the sword. But they hardened their hearts and they refused the spiritual circumcision. They actively resisted the Holy Ghost. All right? Uh, they, and infuriated and they ground their teeth against Stephen. 
But he, full of the Holy Spirit and controlled by him, gazed into heaven and saw the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of God and Jesus standing at God's right hand. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. But they raised a great shout and put their hands over their ears and rushed together upon him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man called Saul. Okay. Now, uh, I, I realize we're over the time, but uh, just for interest, like in Matthew chapter 13, just listen to this. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdoms all causes of offense, persons by whom others are drawn into error, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and wailing and grinding of teeth. Then will the righteous, those who are upright and right standing with God, shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let him who has ears to hear be listening. Okay, so there is... Uh, Where do we just want to see everything? Okay, verse 54. Down hearing these things, the Jews were cut to the heart and they ground their teeth. Do you see the grinding of the teeth? The, the, the you know, the grinding of the teeth. And uh, verse 57, but they raised the great shout. There's the shouting. Do you see there that, um, but he full of the Holy Spirit, verse 55, and controlled by him, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. Do you see there? Matthew 13, in that scripture, it says there, uh, then will the righteous shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. It's all there. Okay. So they thrust from them the good news. They hardened their hearts. They refused the circumcision of the heart. So what happened? They were Cast out. <laughs> they dragged him out of the city. They were cast out. So right there at the stoning of Stephen was the fulfillment of the last week of years of Daniel. I'm not going to go into that. But from there, everything, the beginning of the end uh, was, was uh, established for, for the Jewish kingdom. And it was all this. That's where it was put all in motion. Persecutions broke out and all kinds of things, and it ended in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. But that's a whole different message on its own. Okay, so what I wanted to put your attention to in Acts chapter 7, sorry for the detail, but bless you for everyone who's interested, says uh, they were stung to the heart because that was the sword of the Spirit. Okay, so... They were uncircumcised in heart and ears, and when they were stung by the word to the heart, they even refused that. When they heard his voice, they hardened their hearts. Okay. Acts chapter 10 is the last scripture we're going to touch. And I just want you to see something. I want you to see the circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit coming through the word, happening even before people were baptized in water. So don't put God in a box. Yes, it can happen when you were circumcised. <laughs> The circumcision of the heart can happen when you're baptized. But this, this uh, uh, Holy Ghost baptism is a greater indication of the spiritual circumcision. And the Holy Ghost baptism can happen before water baptism. 
But if you were not baptized um, in water yet, get baptized. Okay, I'm going to baptize someone today. Okay, so Acts chapter 10. Just listen to this. Uh, verse, where are we? 40, 42. He charged us to preach to the people, to bear solemn testimony that he is the God of appointed and God-ordained judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets testify and bear witness that everyone who believes in him, who adheres to trust, relies on him, giving himself up to him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So uh, Peter said it in Acts chapter 2. He says, repent and be baptized and, you will and he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now he says here, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. Okay, so this is Paul preaching, the other one was Peter preaching. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. So the greater indication of the spiritual circumcision is the welcoming of the word, which is the, the spirit word, which is the sword, and then the receiving of the Holy Ghost. All right, so may your heart be spiritually circumcised <laughs> may god cut from your life all the stuff of the old you know we don't have time anymore but you can go read colossians chapter 3 for homework from you know through verse 3 and 4 we know very well but from verse 5 6 7 8, you can see he says strip off your former nature strip it off okay so it's it's that circumcision how do you do it James 1, receive the word which well rooted in your heart contains the power to save your soul. Okay, so may you just experience this spiritual circumcision. May the Holy Spirit cut deeper than before. Cut out more than before. It's not a one-time thing, it's a daily thing, the spiritual circumcision. All right? So, yes, may he cut off so I can hear more. I want to be circumcised in heart and ears according to Acts chapter 7. I want to be filled with this Holy Ghost, and I want all other influences and anything that may be resistance to the Holy Spirit in my life and in my heart, to the very core of my being, to be removed. And that's going to happen through the sword of the Spirit. Right, so may you experience that. Be blessed. And um, we, uh, we will see you again on Sunday morning at 9.30. So uh, I want to encourage you to please watch live and, and you know, and comment and be part of the service live. Uh, we want to just get the community thing, um, preserve it, and 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 uh, you know encourage people to to be part of the community, online community, until we can open our doors again. Okay, and um, then I want to encourage you to consider just sowing to the ministry. So uh, I know. Uh, all uh, circumstances and things, but we trust God. So sow a seed and trust God for a supernatural breakthrough for you. And uh, we uh, trust God for supernatural provision. Uh, the ministry needs provision. We need to pay a lot of things. And there's no one entering in these doors in Sunday services. And uh, so I want to encourage you, even though you only watch online, partake of the of the offerings, partake of, you know, be part of the ministry. Uh, the expenses of the ministry are still the same, maybe even more. So, um, so I want to encourage you in that. So be blessed. We'll see you again on Sunday morning. Amen.